From Hyde Park United Methodist Church in Tampa, Florida, I'm Matt Hotho, and this is The Bible Project 2020, a journey to reading the Bible without fear or frustration. Now, we're still a couple of weeks away from the official kickoff of the project, but over the next two weeks, we'll be bringing you interviews with McGray DeVega, the senior pastor of Hyde Park United Methodist. McGray cast the vision for us to do this journey through the Bible. And in this episode, McGray and I discuss the why behind the Bible Project and offer some suggestions for how to begin the journey no matter where you are in your faith, whether you're a Christian, a non-Christian, or nominally Christian. So let's get to it. Well, McGray, we are recording. Why don't you start us off by telling us a bit about the vision behind this idea to read through the entire Bible in the year 2020? Well, as people who strive to follow Jesus uh, as a Christian people, I think intuitively we know that uh, reading the Bible is an important thing to do. It doesn't take long before you try to read it that you realize just how complicated that task really is. Regardless of whether you've never picked up the Bible before or even if you've read it or tried to read it for most of your life, you realize that it's not as easy as just picking up a, a regular novel or even a textbook because it's so rich, it's so deep, it's so complicated, and in many ways, it's so mysterious. And uh, so that means that it's best when you don't read it by yourself. I mean, it's possible for for you to get a lot of impact out of it by reading it by yourself. Uh, But as John Wesley said, we are a people of the book. And he really believed that for the Bible to have its full power unleashed, uh, that it needed to be done with other people. And so, because... Uh, our second core value is that we are biblically rooted at Hyde Park United Methodist. That made a lot of sense for us to read the Bible together, uh, not just on Sunday mornings when people hear me preach for 20, 25 minutes, but for really to develop a, a relationship with the Bible in the context of of a group of people. And uh, and so that's what inspired it. It also came out of our visioning process where people said, They want to have a deeper relationship with the Bible, and they want to be deeply connected to God and to each other. And so uh, the the vision of doing this in 2020 uh, sort of came about. If you've been in any of our worship services lately, you may have heard us talk about this thing called GRIP, uh, which are four spiritual practices, giving, reading scripture, inviting others, and praying. And so the Bible Project, McGray, I think dovetails really well with that second part of the GRIP, which is reading scripture. And I think that is a fuller... There's a fuller um, depiction of that, right? Can you tell us more about that? Uh, The fuller statement is reading scripture without fear or frustration. And it simply acknowledges that for many people, there are two main obstacles. There, There may be many others, but the two main obstacles that prevent people from reading scripture on a regular basis is both fear of it and frustration by it. Um, I'll start with the frustration piece. Uh, it's, it can be hard to just open up the Bible randomly and try to extract some kind of meaning out of it, 
because who knows where you'll be parachuted into when you just randomly open the Bible. It's not the kind of thing to just open your Bible and throw a finger down on it like you would a globe, spinning the globe and just trying to... No, absolutely not. Even though it's an anthology, even though it's a collection of books, and in those books is a collection of segments, they it is hard to see the connecting tissue throughout all of it. And that doesn't go away when you just read it from Genesis through Revelation. There can be some frustrating parts because it's anchored in thousands of years of culture and thousands of years of of history uh, in the way that people perceived God, which in many ways seems so different from us. So uh, there's a frustration there. And I think what that contributes to eventually is a fear that uh, that it's just too too difficult to read because the imagery is too troubling or unsettling. Uh, we get a lot of questions. We ask a lot of questions about the violence in the Bible, the blood imagery in the Bible, unsettling images of what God does uh, throughout the Hebrew Bible, throughout the Old Testament. And it can be very, very difficult, um, and it contributes to a fear that um, we might discover things that would undermine our faith, our belief in in God. So uh, that's another huge reason not to try to read the Bible by yourself entirely, uh, because you'll come across some, some stuff in there that if you can't talk it out with people, or if you don't feel confident enough to ask questions about the Bible, uh, then then it could lead to some dark times in your convictions as a as a Christian person. So we want to overcome those hurdles, and that's why we're doing this together. Yeah, and so we're not only going to have this podcast to sort of enable you to, um, on your own, listen and dive deeper into the readings for each week. Uh, we'll also have small groups that are still open and available to be joined. Uh, you can right now go to Bible bibleproject2020.com. If you're driving, don't do that. But when you get home, go there, sign up for a small group. We're going to have online groups as well, where you can learn a little bit more, stay connected with the journey, and really do this with other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people have wondered, what uh, what is the reading plan for next year? Uh, we are using a reading plan that comes out of uh, a published Bible by HarperCollins called the NRSV Daily Bible. Uh, but we're telling folks it doesn't have to be that particular brand of Bible or any particular translation. Uh, what I like about the NRSV Daily Bible is that it uh, reduces the length of time it takes to read every day down to less than 15 minutes. So you're not reading tons and tons every day, um, especially when you get to the New Testament. Uh, the readings can easily be done in five minutes. Um, and it, it also uh, supplements it with some readings from from classical authors in Christianity. But uh, we're going to make that reading guide, that's that's uh, scripture schedule available to everybody. You don't have to have purchased that Bible in particular. That's right. You can use your study Bible that you have from DBS. Um, we also sell a great common English Bible study Bible that has great footnotes, colored pictures, if you like pictures, uh, maps, all that kind of stuff. And I would say that the more more different translations you have along the way would be uh, advantageous. I know that when I was reading through certain parts of the Old Testament this year, as I've been going through the, the plan myself, there have been times when I've uh, wanted to shift to Eugene Peterson's The Message, uh, just because I like the way he helps uh, describe things. I've certainly liked parts... Uh, to be read to me via audio Bible um, and and lots of other translations. So I would say to have as many uh, at your disposal as you care to. 
So McGray, I want to kind of shift our conversation um, now to um, maybe a little bit more of actually that fear and frustration part, kind of diving into that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, we know that people have hindrances, right, when reading the Bible, and not just reading it, but also applying it, because so often um, we really want to uh, be better Christians, to walk better in our life of faith, and it, it is true that the Bible holds truths for how to be uh, a better human being in this world. Uh, however, not all of the Bible is equally applicable, right? And so it can get very challenging. So um, can you talk a little bit about what we do when we get to those really troubling parts, maybe what some of those troubling parts are, and then how you as a pastor have kind of thought about ways to handle those? Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm grateful that you identified this as something we can talk about right here at the very beginning, because I think there are several categories of questions that capture the fear and frustration of people. And it's good to just uh, just acknowledge that uh, people may be concerned, first of all, about what to do with the dry parts of the Bible, uh, particularly in parts of the Torah, when you're looking at the over 600 laws and commandments that just seem so foreign and antiquated to us. What do we do when we get to the prophets as important, as critical as they are to biblical literature? Um, they can go on and on and talk about strange places and strange names and strange events. What do we do about the dry uh, sections of the Bible? There's also a question about what do we do about all the violence in the Bible? There's a lot of bloodshed. I mean, Game of Thrones has nothing compared to many passages in the Bible. And then what do we do with unsettling depictions of God when God does things that we would not expect God to do, at least the way we understand God today? So uh, I think what's important to, to note is that these early stories captured the best attempts by the people at the time to explain who God is, to understand who they were, and to ex describe what obedience meant to them in the culture that they lived in. Um, and so when we get to really dry parts of the commandments, for example, all the laws, um, to ask the question, why do we think those laws were important to those Israelite people? And what did this teach them about obedience to God? And if we were to translate that into our time, then what connections can we make between those laws in the Old Testament and what we know about Jesus? It's perfectly appropriate for us as Christian people to have a Christian filter uh, throughout much of the Bible, not to denigrate the Old Testament, not to demean or condescend the Jewish mindset, the Hebrew mindset, but to understand that there are thousands of years of history that separate our earliest spiritual ancestors and us today. And so it's permissible for the relationship between God and human beings to evolve as culture evolves and as time goes by. But still, the, the standard idea is still the same, which is uh, God has given us ways to be obedient, and what are those ways for us today in Jesus that can be understood through the way those early Jewish or Hebrew people understood obedience to God? So that, that means that we don't have to do all of the the, the antiquated laws, but we can still be obedient. I think the violent parts are can be really troubling, um, but until we re realize that uh, in the ancient Near Eastern world and for thousands of years in human civilization, violence was a kind of language. It was a kind of expression. It was the way people expressed their obedience to God. Uh, when God commanded them to kill or or uh, bloodshed all over the place, it was um, it was a way that they demonstrated obedience. Now that has changed as human civilization has changed, and especially at the time of Jesus. 
Um, but so even though we don't have to use violence today to express our obedience to God because of what was revealed to us on the cross, um, it's still incumbent for us to to follow to follow God. Um, maybe not through violence, definitely not through violence, uh, but through through acts of self-sacrifice, uh, acts of risk. Um, and, and so we can read those passages not as prescriptive, meaning God is not asking us to kill today, uh, but God is still asking us to be obedient. And so in what ways uh, can, we, can we make that translation, that transition? And that's, then, yes. that's really helpful okay. um, <clears throat> because I think sometimes we look at all that violence and then we immediately might lay it onto violent sectarian movements that we see today and almost dismiss the God of the Old Testament as maybe not, not a jihadist, but, you know, definitely a, a violent God. Right. Um, and we know today that that's not mainstream. Right. However, you go 3,000 years in the past, right. 4,000 years in the past, and the mainstream religious culture and thinking about the deity or the deities was that they were warriors and that they were violent and that they fought wars and that they won wars. Right. Right. And so it would be very natural for the Old Testament to to retain that historical uh, moray right. of, of that. Exactly. That's exactly right. And uh, while that means that we don't need to practice violence today to demonstrate our faithfulness, at the same time, we don't need to uh, denigrate our early spiritual ancestors for, ha- for practicing that violence. Uh, I, I don't really ascribe to that kind of progressivist view that says that every ensuing era of human civilization is better than everyone that's come before us. It's just different mm-hmm. um, because the times change and the culture change, so our worldview changes. And I think that touches on the third and sort of final uh, big sticky wicket for reading the Bible, which is the really unsettling depictions of God that that take place there. Um, God does some things that we really would question uh, with sort of our our modern 21st century Christian worldview. And what I like to think about is how um, our relationship with God as a human civilization is allowed to change and allowed to mature over time, just like in any relationship with any human being. If you've been with any person for a long period of time, then the way you related to that person when you first met them um, has a kind of rhythm and energy and understanding and language that is different than after the 30th year of knowing them or the 50th year of knowing them. Um, And so if you look at the ways that human civilization understood God 4,000 years ago, then it ought to be different. Um, It ought to use language and imagery that seems uh, awfully weird to us now, given where we stand. And frankly, 4,000 years from now, um, they will develop an understanding of God that will look back at us and go, how in the world could we understand God in the way that we understand God today? Uh, It's not that God changes. Our relationship with God changes, and our view of God changes, and I think that's not only natural, that's permissible. So again, we don't have to look at these weird images of God and denigrate the Hebrew people or the, or the Greco-Roman people for looking at God that way. It is basically a biography of our spiritual ancestry, and we can appreciate their efforts to understand God and know that... Um, their efforts are not lost on us, and it's expected of us to have that same energy and effort to understand God in the way that they did. 
Well, Gray, I kind of want to throw a question out here um, that I'm thinking about in the context of the person who might be reading through Genesis, hit Genesis, get through it, be like, okay, I've read this before, hit Exodus, get halfway through it and go, whoa, wait a second. This isn't like the movie that I saw. This is really weird. I feel like I want to give that person the permission to stop reading it on this first blush, at least, as a book of faith and to back away from it for a second and maybe picture it as a great... Um, Steven Spielberg movie sure. or something like that, sure, right? Because yeah. if we think of some of the great movies of our time, whether it's Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, um, Saving Private Ryan, there's always, there is violence in all three of those series, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. um, war is the animating factor mm-hmm. of all of those. Mm-hmm. So is it with the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Throughout the whole writing of the Old Testament, the writers who are writing are being animated by this immediate fear, mm-hmm. this immediate worry. And so I wonder, and I would love your feedback on this, if it might be prescriptive or helpful for people who are reading this and freaking out about the Old Testament or maybe just really uncomfortable, but who would sit down and read a Stephen, a Stephen King novel with you know graphic images and violence and that kind of stuff, or would sit and watch Star Wars or Lord of the Rings to back away from the religious expectations of right, the text. Right, Is that an okay thing to do? Absolutely. And what I love about the equivalence you're making between Spielberg and the, and, and the violent movies of today, the Lord of the Rings stuff, is that when we watch those kinds of films, we don't ever really say, did that really happen, first of all? Right. Or uh, is that calling me to do the same? Yeah. Is that normative? No. <laughs> right. It is not. But at the same time, we don't want to swing the pendulum so far in the other direction to say that the Bible's entirely fiction because Correct. that has a, a, a connotation to it that it's not true. So one of the great leaps, it's not really a leap, it's really a movement of faith, is to say that it didn't have to really happen that way, and it's not commanding me to do the same thing in order for it to be true in my faith. And so I think if we get to the deeper questions about what does this passage or what does this troubling story say about how people understood God in their worldview... How do they understand themselves? How do they understand what obedience meant in their worldview? And how can that translate into the language and imagery of our time? Not to get hung up on whether or not it historically happened in that way, those thousands of people got killed with a jawbone, or uh, uh, for it to say, I have to do those same things today, but to simply get back to the one of the really important connecting threads in the whole Bible, which is God wants to be known by us and that God wants us to be faithful and obedient to God in the ways that God has given to us today. So what does that mean? So I, 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 think, I think that's a really helpful uh, thing that you're posing. And one of the great things we'll get to keep asking as we go through this thing. Um, it, th- that's what makes this journey so rich and exciting and why it's so important not to do it by yourself. That does it for this episode. I really appreciated how McGray drew the conversation back to a key word, obedience. Perhaps a helpful lens for understanding the foreign or difficult parts of the Hebrew scriptures is to read through a lens of obedience. How are the original authors showing their obedience? And how does this text inform our own obedience to the great commandment that Jesus gives to love God and to love our neighbor? 
Thanks so much for joining us. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, now would be a great time to do so. We'll have new episodes coming out every Monday morning at 6 a.m. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever podcast app you use. You can also find out more at BibleProject2020.com. I'm Matt Hotho, and we'll see you next week.